Well, change is good, whether or not you prefer it, whether or not you want to fight against it. Change is a good thing, and we know that change is inevitable, but we all agree that change is hard. Uh, No matter what the change is, whether it's a change in your workplace, whether you have a new job or just a new desk, there's a lot to adjust to that. If you have a new employer, there's a lot to get adjusted to that. If you have a new employee, there's something there as well. Maybe you're moving, maybe moving to a new place, a new neighborhood, a new season of life. There's been an addition to your family or a subtraction in your family. It's all hard and it's all inevitable. We all experience change. But that is especially the case for those of us who follow Jesus. Following Jesus has never been and will never be about people who like life the way it is and we're just going to add a little religion. Uh, That's not following Jesus. And if you go through the story of God, when it talks about what it is to follow him, there are phrases like, take up your cross and follow me. There are phrases like, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old is gone. Everything new has begun. There are words like transform and being changed, glory to glory. There's all sorts of huge, big, illustrative points along the way to say the same thing, what it is to follow Jesus. Jesus himself, as he was speaking to Nicodemus, use the words born again. That's not, hey, just add a little religion, add a little morals and see how it shakes out, see how it fits on your plate. There is a rebirth, a restart, a change from who we've been conditioned to be to who we've actually been created to become. And that is a change that is for all of us, all of us who are followers of Jesus. That's a change that we have to eventually come to grips with. And it's not an easy thing at all. And there is a book in the Bible that addresses change, addresses several different changes in the life of a believer as he tries to come to grips with who I've been conditioned to be and who I've been created to be. The book is called Galatians. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up to that book. It's not actually a book as you and I understand it. It's a letter, a one letter that was written by one man to one particular group of Christians as they were struggling through coming to grips with the change of what does it mean to now be someone different? What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to know this is what I've been, this is where I've been, this is what I've been conditioned to be, and now this is who I've been recreated to become? How do we navigate that process? And the entire book of Galatians is about the change. Now, when you read anything from the author, whose name was Paul, and he wrote several different letters that we have in the New Testament, when you read this, you'll immediately realize that for him, change was going to happen. It wasn't, are you going to change now that you're a follower of Jesus? He believed that change was taking place absolutely in the life of every follower of Jesus. When we signed up to follow him, we signed up for change. We can read other phrases and other letters like the one who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In other words, God's going to finish what he started. We read phrases like if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That was his quote. The change is actually going to happen. It's not up to us. Are we going to change? Are we not? The question is how quickly and how effectively and how comfortable is that change going to be? Uh, I might be a little crude to put it this way, but that's kind of par for who I am. Anyway, uh, my family, we have a couple of dogs. 
Love them dearly, Samson and Lucy, their brother and sister. Uh, very different in personality and different in looks, but they came from the same family. And Samson and Lucy live outside. So if you're a dog person, just deal with it. We, are, we have outside pets, I'm sorry. Um, they don't get to touch carpet, they don't get to touch hardwood, they stay outside in grass and concrete. That, that's where they live. If it gets really cold, they go in the garage where I have two heaters, not just one, two heaters, so they are fine. Don't call anyone, but they're never coming inside. They stay outside all the time. Uh, they turned 11 on September 1st, which means they turned 77, which means I have two dogs, a mom and a dad, all four people the same age now. So that's just kind of where we are in life. A mom appreciated that reference, I'm sure, and she's watching online. So, But um, they're all 77 years old. We love Sam and Lucy to death. But they don't know life other than the life that we've given them, obviously. I put up a fence for them. They run free. There are boundaries I've set up. But for the most part, they can do whatever they want, except when I need to take them to the groomers or the vet. And when that happens, I walk out, I hold the leash, and they know what's going on. And there's whimpering and crying and the whole bit. And I put the leash on their little collars, and I'll take them. They're about 55 pounds apiece. So they're not tiny, but they're not that big. And I'll take them out through the fence to the car, 30 feet max. Well, in 30 feet, each dog chokes and throws up at least 11 times. It is the craziest scene you can ever imagine. Like, it is just here to there. They see the car door open. They can hear the car running. They know what's going on. We've been through this over and over again for 77 years. They know how to do this. But they come out, I bring them, to, and there's just awful sounds. I actually practiced this week. I, I could mimic the sound. And then I thought about being on the mic and with you and the speakers. I, I'm just not, not going to do that to you. But just in your mind, if you could hear two dogs a dozen times a piece choking and throwing up, it is the craziest sound. And they're all over the place. And they think somehow I'm hurting them. But here's the thing. We're going to the vet. There's never been a time in 77 years where I've walked out and said, oh, I'm sorry, it's such a frustration. Let's just go back home. Like, let's just take these collars off and make you comfortable again. Nope, we're going. There's no question about it. We're getting in the car. The only question is, how comfortable is this experience going to be for you? And you get to decide. But we are going. And I look at my own life, and there have been so many times where I felt like my Heavenly Father is like, Chad, you're going to change. I am going to turn you into the very image of my son. One day you will stand before me in the glory of Jesus. Perfect, without blemish, without stain, without wrinkle, without any kind of imperfection. And I'm thinking, how in the world can I be able to do that? He said, no, the change is coming. But how that change happens, how effective the change is, how quickly the change happens, I'm gonna give you some freedom, but we are going and the change is coming. You are all, those of you who follow Jesus are being changed. There will be a day when you do not have to fight that temptation anymore. And there will be a day when you don't have to answer for that thing anymore. And there will be a day when you can get beyond whatever that thing is, whatever that moment was. There will be a time when you never have that feeling again. It's hard for us to imagine, but it's going to happen. The change is taking place, but getting from the person we've been conditioned to be with our sin nature, our background, our experiences, our family, what we've heard, what we've seen, our culture, getting from that person to the person that we've been created to be, that 
is a challenge. That change process is difficult. And Paul wrote the letter to the Galatian church for the purpose of helping them through that change. So I know it's easy sometimes to look at something written 2,000 years ago or close, there, uh, close to it and to say, well, I'm not quite sure that really applies. Listen, we're all doing this. We're all going through the same thing. So we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks in this letter to the Christians in Galatia. And at the end of the time, you're going to understand at least, if nothing else, what was going on in this church and to be able to have a little more help in the process of change, which most of us in this place are going through. But as we do that, remember Galatians is a letter. And each week, I don't have time to go through the entire thing, nor would you want me to. Um, We don't have 11 hours a week to put through this. I, I get that. So we've got a small amount of time. But I want to encourage you to, on your own, work through this letter. Imagine if someone took your phone right now found a random text conversation and just took two text bubbles out of it and said, I just, I'm going to see what this whole thing's about. And then came to you and said, what's this? Well, there's a lot of explaining to do because it's hard to grasp something in that way. And if you think about it, that's what we often do with God's story. We take a random text conversation. We'll just take the one from Paul to the people in Galatia. We'll take one or two little verses out and feel like, oh, we've got that. There's a little more time that needs to be spent. Well, lucky for you, there are six chapters that we've made Galatians into, and there are six days where you and I aren't together. So, tomorrow, after TikTok, after Snapchat, after Instagram, and after Facebook, if you have four minutes in your busy, awesome, productive lives to spare... Just read the first chapter of the book of Galatians, or the letter to the Galatians. And then Tuesday to Wednesday, chapter three, and so forth. We come back next Sunday, you will have mastered the entire letter and we'll all be better for it. Um, So work through that if you have an opportunity this week to, to work through that letter. But for us on Sundays, we're just going to take one of the changes each week. One of the five changes that Paul felt that was important enough to bring out and we'll work through that together. And so today we're going to focus on number one, just the first of the five. And it's the change from being a people pleaser to being a God pleaser. Now, some of you up until this point, the last few minutes have been going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, people pleaser to God pleaser. All of a sudden, there is a connecting point. And it's a challenge for all of us. It's a struggle for every single one of us. And this is taken from a letter that was written 2,000 years ago, so it's been a human issue for a long, long time. That changed from being a people pleaser to being a God pleaser. So in Galatians chapter one, after some of the greetings and salutations that you'll see in the beginning of a lot of the letters, Paul wrote these words, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Paul doesn't even play around in the beginning. He gets to the point. He says, there is a problem here. There's a problem in your church. There's a problem with you people. And I am overwhelmed. I'm amazed that you have so quickly abandoned everything that we shared with you that was uh, the core of who Jesus is and, and what he's about 
And now you've adopted this mix of stuff, and it's really not the gospel at all. You've got some combination of thoughts and ideas of the truth I shared and the stuff that was passed down before, and this is not even the gospel. This church is not even founded on the gospel message anymore. He said, I'm astonished that it's happened so quickly. Now, what we're going to see throughout the next few weeks is the primary issue for these people seemed to be that the leaders in the church were Jewish people who believed in Jesus. So they're Jewish Christians. And they are now leading people who are not Jews, but are following Jesus. And they are trying to convince the new believers that in order to be right with God, they not only need to accept this free gift of salvation through following Jesus, but they also need to be Jewish in practice. So they... follow Jesus, but then they also have to adopt all of the other things that have happened and been said along the way. The primary thing, and um, if there are kids in here, well, this is why there's room in the back for kids ministry. Uh, The primary thing is circumcision. So you're welcome, parents. Talk amongst yourselves. The issue is circumcision. And the men in the church, the Jewish Christian leaders had all experienced that. And so they're leading to Jesus, these Gentile, non-Jewish men. And they're like, welcome to the family. By the way, you have a doctor's appointment on Monday. Like, that's, that's the thing. So they're all stepping back going, maybe I wasn't ready for first steps class, actually, after all. I don't, maybe this is not for me. Uh, that, so a lot's going on, and that and other issues that we'll get through throughout the rest of the letter. But there's a, a problem there with them trying to distinguish This is who I've been conditioned to be. This is who I've been recreated to be. How do I become that? And what's my relationship with the old me? And one of the changes that he pointed out was from being a people pleaser to being a God pleaser, which ultimately was at the root of even that struggle of, am I just going to say, this is what God's called me to, I'm gonna follow this, or, well, I know I need to do this, but this is what I'm being pressured to do. This is what people are saying. This is what I feel like I'm not gonna be a full-fledged member if I don't do. And, and Paul said, be very, very careful with this because this is not even the gospel itself. Reading on the second part of verse seven, he said, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I almost didn't spend any time on this part of the letter because it's the verse after this that I want to focus on. But I want us to notice that Paul's not messing around here. He's very direct, very harsh, very abrupt, and very to the point. I bring it up because if we notice this, we'll also be reminded that changing from the person we've been conditioned to be to the person we've been recreated to be is not some gentle, easy, gradual transition Uh, Well, this is who I am, and now I'm going to add a little Jesus. I add a little faith. There is a wholesale change, a rebirth, a recreation, and it's violent. And if you don't have a little fight in you, if you don't have a little bite, you are never going to overcome being a people pleaser and learning to be a God pleaser. You're going to have to, at some point, say enough is enough. Because when any change really happens, there's always tension that causes it. 
A point where you get to saying, listen, I can't put up with this anymore. It's time for a change. I can't do this anymore. It's time for a change. You and I can't go on like this anymore. We gotta make a change. There's some tension there. And this tension between being a people pleaser and a God pleaser, between the old me and the new me, between the person I was conditioned to be and and the person I've created to be is that tension. And Paul said, unless you're aggressive with it, unless you punch it, it, nothing's going to happen. To the point where he said, those leaders in your church, now, I mean, we read the verse. I'm not calling this out just to say words. He said, they are spiritual perverts. Now, I don't know about you, like that sticks with me for a minute. Now, part 2,000 years later, we have a different feeling on the word perversion probably than, than they did. But there are a lot of things I've been called that I've just let slide. I'm not sure how I would handle being called a spiritual pervert. Like, I don't really know. Like, that, I got a feeling that's gonna be difficult for me. And Paul said, listen, that's exactly what they're doing. They are perverting the message that I've given you and taking you into places you don't wanna go and you've got to be very, very careful. And he follows that up to the next verse. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He said, if at the forefront of my mind is making people happy, I am not a follower of Jesus. If that is what drives me, shapes me, affects me more than the other, I am not a follower of Jesus. That I can't do both. So Paul was saying, here is the fight. Who I've been conditioned to be, who I've been recreated to be. Being a pleaser of people, being a pleaser of God. And he said to them, I made my choice. I realized I couldn't do both and I've chosen to please God. I've chosen to live for his approval and not the approval of people. I've made my decision because I know I ultimately cannot be a follower of Jesus if I am trying to keep people happy. This week I was at uh, Vanderbilt. I have a twice a year appointment to follow up on some stuff I went through a few years ago. Um, And yesterday, or this week's appointment rather, was my May appointment. So I tried to be a guy anyway. So I, they finally got me in and said, we will no longer you know, prescribe this, this stuff if you don't come in. So I drove an hour, went through the thing. I sat down with the physician's assistant and she said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a minister. And her response was, oh, I said, well, okay. You know, she said, that, that's hard. And At first, I was very careful. I don't like to ever say like my job is hard because most of you are rolling your eyes now going, you didn't get up till noon probably. So I I get that. I know know how you feel about me. But I I never want to do that. I I can't look a soldier in the eye and say, oh, my job's so hard. Like, are you kidding me? I can't look, some of you wake up, you go to work early, you've established a business, you've built a business, you work till dark. I can't look at you and say, my life's hard, my job is hard. So I just kind of get quiet when people say that because it's all relative. All of our jobs are hard. But then she followed it up and said, keeping all those people happy. And then I understood what she was talking about. Her perspective was trying to keep all of you happy is misery and impossible. That, that, that's exactly what she was saying. And I was like, no, I have the greatest people, especially the 1030 service. They are so easy and low drama. No, I mean, it's just easy. You know, I was, it was fine, but I knew what she meant because from her perspective, that that's the job of a minister 
Tiki ball, are you happy? Otherwise you'll leave. And if you leave, we don't have the resources and we die and all that. Like that's her perspective of it all. But the truth is that's a tension for all of us. You're either keeping people happy, employees happy, a boss happy. You're trying to keep a coach happy. You're trying, if you're the coach, you're trying to keep the parents of the players happy. You're always trying to keep someone else happy. You're working for someone else's approval. Some of you young men are fighting every day. You don't even realize it just to hear your daddy say, I'm proud of you, good job. And you're fighting for that approval. It's not coming. Some of you girls would love for more than anything just to have some man say, you're beautiful today. And you'll do anything for that. It's all about approval. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're normal and you're struggling with what we all struggle with whether it's the approval of a parent, whether it's the approval of a boss, whether it's the approval of a peer, whatever it is, we're fighting for that and it changes and shapes our lives. We do a lot of stuff we never thought we would do just to feel a certain way, just to feel accepted, just to feel approved, just to please people. Think about how many times a day you ask yourself or think, ah, what would, they, what would someone else think? What would they say? What are they gonna do if... Versus how many times a day you just say, what has God said? What has God said about this? I would imagine most of us think about other people's opinions and approvals much more than we ever think about. What has God said? I have a decision to make. What has God said about this? Well, I, that could lay it out. Or what, what is she gonna think? And what is he gonna think? And how will this affect this? And what, how will people view this? And we struggle with, approval. But God is going to make the change in our lives. And if we're going to be a part of that, unless we're just going to gag and choke ourselves all the way from here to eternity, if we're going to get with the program and get with the change, let me share with you three things that you probably already know, but I want to remind you of. Number one, God pleasers serve people without compromising their promises to God. A God pleaser serves people without compromising his or her promise to God. You were created to serve people. You were not created to please people. So I thought I was created as a blessing to God. Yes. And the thing that pleases God the most is when he watches us love and care for each other. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if he had stopped there, most everyone would have said, amen, because people stink and I don't want to deal with people, but I'm all about some God. And then Jesus said, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ugh. You mean I got, a, I got a people while I'm here? Yeah, yeah, you do. We've, at my house, people is a verb. Like when we go home on Sundays, my wife says, I'm peopled out. I'm like, I know exactly what you mean. People are not easy. We've all said at some point, life would be easy if it weren't for people. No one has ever said, my life would be perfect without traffic. Well, you might've thought it for a second, but you realize traffic is not actually the thing. Or my life would be perfect if it weren't for, you know, restaurants. Like no one does, but it's always people. And we all feel like life would be perfect if we didn't have people. And God said, I love you. I made you for myself. But the one thing you can do that gives me the most pleasure is when you love and care for each other. But you were not created to please people. You were created to serve people. And there will be times when that's not the same. 
where you have an opportunity to serve and to love people, and yet something is going to cost you, and you're going to lose integrity or character, and be very, very careful in those moments, because there's never going to come a time where you can blame people for your lack of integrity. Well, God, you told me to do this. I was just trying to be a good friend. I was just trying to be smart here. I was just trying to build the business. I was just trying to use the gifts you gave me. God, you made me smart. I'm just trying to manage this company. Or God, you made me beautiful and I'm just trying to leverage my influence. Or God, I'm, I'm super athletic and I know the platform got weird, but I'm just trying to... We can't ever blame people for our lack of integrity or character. We are people who serve others, not please others, but serve others without compromising our promises. Secondly, God pleasers serve people without com compromising their calling from God. The first is more about right and wrong. The second is about wise or unwise, smart or not. In other words, there are times when you've got to step back and say, I would love to help you, but this is what I've been called and created to do and I'm not gonna have enough left over here if I do everything you want me to do here. And people aren't gonna like it. They're gonna feel like you walked away from them. They're gonna feel like you're not helping out. But there are moments where you have to say, this is what I know I've been called to do. And I'll help any way I can, but I cannot compromise the calling I have over here. Even Jesus stepped away from time to time and got alone by himself and prayed. His disciples said, Jesus, come here, I got a question. No, you're gonna give me some time away. And there were moments when Jesus would leave a town and there were still things to do, but it was time to move on because he was submitting himself to the will of his father. So you've got to know when you're losing effectiveness in the areas that you're actually called to do because you're doing all this other stuff that, yeah, it matters to some extent, but not compared to what God's called you to do. And then third and finally, God pleasers serve people not because they fear people, but because they fear God. And this is what I hope you leave with today, if nothing else. I'm going to give the rest of my life to serve you, to love you, to shepherd you, as long as you're here. Um, my wife's gonna die. I go, we're here forever? Well, anyway, but we're, I'm gonna give everything I have to loving and serving you. But it's not because I need your approval, as much as I would like that. It's because I have a fear of standing before the Lord one day and him saying, why did you do this? And I'll say, well, the people, well, he, she, they were, I'm gonna stand before him and he's gonna say, listen, people's approval has never mattered to me. You did what you could with the resources I gave you, well done. And I'm living for the well done. I'm living for that stamp of approval from my maker. Now, Receiving that means doing what is most important to him and loving and serving you is the most important thing to him. And you loving and serving the people in your areas is most important to him. But we don't do it because we're trying to get other people's approval. We do it because we know why we were made. Let me close with this. Paul wrote in a different letter these words. I just wanna share these words with you, an excerpt from a different letter. Paul said, though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. But to those who were not under the law, I became like one not having a law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. 
I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Some of you are missing out on what you were created to do. Some of you are staying silent in the most valuable moments of life because of the opinions and the thoughts and the comments of people that will not have any bearing on God's approval of you. And to be honest, most of those people will not even be in your life in the next three years. They'll be gone. And you'll look back and realize, I worked so hard just to get some of their approval and just to please them, and they're gone. Listen, that's the way life works. The only thing that is ultimately going to matter is us standing before the Lord one day and saying, God, I did or I didn't spend my life investing in what matters to you. And I'm telling you, living for the applause of people does not matter. It will never matter. And it's just ultimately going to hold back the process of change that God wants to bring about in your life.